Welcome back to the Daily Devo here on the Waypoint Church Podcast. My name is Logan Miller. I'm one of the worship leaders here. And today we are continuing with the story catechism. Story again, just a a resource that tells the story of God in a really beautiful and compelling way. And so we're taking five days this week, Monday through Friday, and I'm reading the first several entries on creation just to give you a taste for that. Uh, one thing that I do love about this book is that it the the language that's used is really beautiful. Uh, it's not traditional. It's not cookie cutter. It really, uh, to me, when I hear it, when I read it, I'm drawn out of my surroundings and kind of put into a different place, and I can feel myself breathing in a different environment. I love that because there's not many things that are written that way. And so I know when I read this, the language may seem um, a little ornate or uh, whatever. I hope that you can really just enjoy that for what it is, that um, there's so many things that we're going to read in our lives that are right down the middle and pretty uh, vanilla. And this is not one of them. And man, we can celebrate beauty and celebrate Uh, that God has given us that type of creativity to tell his story, which to be honest, as we talked about uh, yesterday, is the most creative story of all time. God is the master creator. So our art should reflect that and we should try to pursue that in the things that we do and the things that we create. So anyway, that's my soapbox on it. And uh, here is entry number three on humanity. It says this, The echoes of Eden reverberate off the walls of the hearts of humanity. The desire for more is always within us. It seems the human experience is one of an insatiable desire to satisfy our deep hunger, to quench the deep thirst of our soul. Our longings only show the depth of who we are and who we were created to be. Where does the longing for more come from? Why does the desire for more feel primal and natural? God looked over his creation and saw that it was good. With each new addition, like a master architect, he purposefully placed with perfect precision everything that was necessary for sustained perfection. Being fully present and with his spirit presiding over all creation, he saw that it was good. And then he created more. And there's a deep and profound shift in the 26th and 27th verses of the first chapter of Genesis. The narrative seems to place more intention and purpose on this moment with a subtle shift in language. The writer uses communal language when referring to God in the moment of creating humanity. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Out of his usness and ourness, God forms man. From this divine community of God, the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, humanity is created. Created from the likeness of this divine community, humanity bears the image of God. Described by the Latin phrase imago Dei, which means image of God, humanity differs from everything else in the creation narrative. You and I, your neighbor, your coworker, the homeless beggar, the doctor, the light-skinned, the dark-skinned, male, female, we all bear the blueprint of our maker. The moreness of God, the imago Dei, is within every human being. Perhaps the natural inclination and insatiable desire for more comes directly from our design. We crave more because we were created for more and for more. Just as the fingerprints of the creator were over everything in Eden, the breath of God is in every human being. In the creation narrative, we read that God took the dust of the ground, formed it, shaped it, and then breathed into it. The scriptures say God breathed the breath of life into the man, 
the divine collides with the dust and life bursts forth. Interestingly, one of the English translations for both the Old Testament Hebrew word and the New Testament Greek word for breath is the word spirit. When God breathed his breath into the dust, he breathed his spirit into the lifeless pile of dirt. The very spirit of God was breathed into humanity. With his lungs full of the breath of the living God, Adam opened his eyes and met his creator. With each inhale, he breathes deeply anew the breath of God. And with every exhale, the creator receives back his breath. The new cadence of inhale and exhale joins the worshipful refrain in the song of creation. Created with deep meaning and purpose, humanity enters the story. All of creation worships. And God said, it was very good. From the beginning, God says, you are mine. Like a groom who stands confidently beckoning his bride as she prepares to walk towards him, receiving the invitation. From this day forward, you are mine. By divine decree and created order, humanity was and is the apex of his creation, the crowning jewel in the crown of creation. Created to reflect him, to be with him, work with him, and join him, God created this vibrantly perfect world. Then he placed humanity in it and provided perfectly everything humanity needed. A perfect world fit for sustained perfection. Beauty gave birth to more beauty. Eden was home. God was there. Adam and Eve found deep meaning and profound purpose in their creator. God would be there everything. I, David, send my 11-year-old daughter off to school almost every morning. I kiss her on the head and I say, remember who made you. She's at that age where it's becoming embarrassing for her, especially if her friends are walking by. It's simple, I get it. It's a tad bit cheesy, I know, but I keep doing it because I can hear the whisper of the world in my subconscious mind. I see the billboards and the ads telling a different story, the flood of whispers, the deluge of images, the onslaught of advertisements, all converging, all trying to convince my daughter that beautiful is nothing more than a waist size. Remember who made you, I whisper back. As a father, the whispers of the world terrify me. What is even worse is that I know at the core of my heart that no matter how much I tell her it's not true, the only way she will believe it is if she knows the beauty of the one who made her. Remember who made you. I'll forever remind her until she believes that her creator is the one who paints the sunsets and hangs the stars, that he forms mountains and he chooses the colors of her favorite flowers, that he was the one who formed her in her mother's womb. Until she knows this truth, she will allow some other person or idea to define beauty for her. What makes creation beautiful is not its beholder, but its creator. The world tries hard to put a value on life. And in the process, it has destroyed much of God's beautiful creation. Whether physically or emotionally, through genocide, abortion, or the exploitation of women, when the world tries to set life's value, life becomes a product that is used for consumption. We, however, were not created for that purpose, but rather to reflect the image of the one who created us. When we imagine the magnificence of all the created things in the beginning and then realize that the master artist had not yet created his most magnificent work until he created us, it is only then that we change the way we see ourselves and one another. Remember who made you. Remember who you are. That's it for today. We'll be back with another entry tomorrow.